The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode is Retro Rewind Time, 1964 versus 1956. Two old school films enter. One old school film limps out victorious. Two men injured! Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected and my brother... Well, he's going to bring a film from one of those random years, and I'm going to bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle, and we're going to use a variety of criteria, and a champion's going to be crowned by the end of this episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe. co host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. Let's have some fun. And like Jason mentioned up front, this is the Retro Rewind episode where we Reset the randomizers years from 1950 to 1969. We've taken to doing one old school episode every year, and that time has come once again. Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are overall spectacle, the hero, best action scene, the story, and the villain. Still not in that order, and to mix it up, it's not even on the order of the script anymore. This is how off the walls we're going to be tonight. But we will still have our deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. Today we are joined by a sniper. The sniper has just one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And so let's meet our Sniper for this episode it is the founder of the Longbox Crusade Network. It is Pat Sampson, aka DJ Cristados. Welcome to your first appearance on Action Film Face Off, DJ Cristados. 49 Ooh. episodes later, you make it on the show. I did it. Woohoo! Woo. Well, you kind of you kind of snuck in. Yeah, I did. Voice of Pat snuck in. Was that two episodes ago? I think it was. I think it was. Yep, yep it was. Where you judged Jason's titles mm-hmm. for the action scenes. Yep. I remember. (laughs) I did not appreciate that. In spirit of Sean, I had to. (laughs) I had to. Well, let's get to know Pat's action film taste. Pat, off the top of your head, what are your top three action films? And we are judging you. I know. Boy, action films. Well, I like me some Indiana Jones. So right away, got to say Indiana Jones movies, action. So you're taking four movies right off the bat. Three movies. Three movies. Three. No, you know, I enjoyed Kingdom of the Skull. So that's your list then, because it's your top three and you've. Mm-hmm. You picked the Indiana Jones franchise. You're full Kathy here. You're full Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll grant you Indiana Jones franchise. What else you got? I like me some Star Wars. Okay, so it's like an additional, I don't know. <laughs> so, yep, exactly. Yeah, see, you, you got to have all those on there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see what's going on here, and I don't like it. <laughs> I would have said James Bond when you asked me that question. I, this <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> And that's my third one, James Bond. I love me some James. You guys. All right. That, since so. you said that, we're going to let this slide because we're big <laughs> Bond fans. So we're really going to let that slide. Oh yeah, I know. I know the right buttons to push. 
<laughs> just just couldn't come in and play it straight, could you, Samson? No, you're right. I couldn't. You 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 two are a bunch of blanket heads. <laughs> blanket heads. Oh, if you, you know watch the... one of the movies, you'll know which one yeah, it was. That's right. I, yeah. Blanket head. Pat works on the guidance system. All right. Well, there's Pat just doing this Pat thing. He always takes more than he's supposed to. That's his shtick. Mm-hmm. So he's, <laughs> he's gone Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and James Bond. But hey, I can't argue with those three franchises. Now, before our two films under the video, Dome Marina, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow. Auburn Elvis. Blasted or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robison. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP and quarterly sniper here on Action Film Faceoff. Mark Ross, also known as Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Oh, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss you on our list, we apologize. Remember, we recorded these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're recent edition, we will add you soon. If there's any problems, just send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. Now, if you're asking yourself, how, how do I get in on this whole Crusaders Club member thing? I want shout-outs on the episodes. I want to vote on show content. I want to be entered for free raffles. Well, it's easy. Patreon.com slash Crusade for as little as $1 a month. Hmm. It's not a successful business model. I'm going to tell you that right now. But for as little as $1 a month, you get access to that Crusaders Club. Come check it out. What do we spend the money on? We spend the money on hardware upgrades. We spend the money on... StreamYard fees, that's the program we use to record all this stuff. And mostly we spend it on shipping to send you guys free raffle stuff. So pretty much all the money you toss in the kitty goes back to you, either improving the quality of the shows or sending you gifts. So, you know, it's a pretty good deal. Patreon.com slash Crusade. Jason. All right, enough talk. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1964, and I made the only logical selection, which is Goldfinger. <laughs> Jason, what year did the randomizer select for you? I got 1956. Our old man was just six years old, sucking on a lollipop, and so I put into our video dome arena, The Searchers. All right, we got a fine old school matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his selection better than mine, or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. A quick around the room of where we saw it. All right, I have both of these movies on my Plex server, 
So that's how I watched him. Didn't really have to watch Goldfinger. I have it memorized, but Jason, how about you? Yeah, Goldfinger, I watched in my memory. Played it back scene by scene. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I watched it on the Blu-ray and the Searchers I saw. I actually found it on a free streaming, but the quality was really bad and there were commercials. So I went and got it on Amazon Prime. Probably like four bucks or something like that. Four dollars. Three ninety-nine. Yep. Pat, how'd you watch these films? For Goldfinger, I watched it on the DVD that was graciously provided during our On Her Manchie's Secret Podcast Rookie Agents DVD that I received. DVD's nuts. Are you saying that I sent you that? Yeah, I am. Nice. And for The Searchers, I watched on somebody's Plex machine that I had access to. Yep, that's how a lot of people do it around these parts. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that, this is your spoiler warning. We're going to get into both these films. We're going to talk about them. We're going to spoil them. No stone unturned. Plus, these movies are from 19... 56 and 64 so i think it's well past spoiler day (laughs) but hey here's your warning anyway we're going to play the musical interlude that'll give you a chance to pause if you want to go watch any of these before you come back we will be back at the other end of this musical interlude okay folks Let's get into it. I'm going to jump in with some quick information on 1964's Goldfinger. Stop. Look. He's gunning for trouble. 007. It spells Bond. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Agent 007. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? You've asked for this. Come and purr over Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. The female who is all feline. Also starring Gert Rober as Goldfinger. International cheat. International menace. Gentlemen! Goldfinger, why weren't we told the New York and the West Coast weren't on this? Goldfinger, I made a delivery. Where is my money? And you owe me one million bucks. Goldfinger, the man with a finger in every pie. His goal, Fort Knox, the world's biggest bank. His enemy, 007, the world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007, it spells Bond. James Bond, mixing business with girls and thrills. Girls and fun. Girls and danger. The hotter the danger, the cooler he takes it. 
I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witnesses and carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to buy. and crew are as follows it stars our former roommate sean connery honor blackman and gert frobe is directed by guy hamilton synopsis goes a little something like this james bond is back for his third adventure in the eon series and this time he's trying to discover the secrets of gold smuggler Arik goldfinger bond tracks goldfinger from miami to england to switzerland and kentucky to put the kibosh on operation grand slam Goldfinger's plan to irradiate the American gold supply at Fort Knox. Now, if you guys listen to us on our other podcast network on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, you can go and check out the Goldfinger episode. It's You're going to have to scroll back because we covered it a long, long time ago. But this is chock full of trivia and discussion in there. So I, I had to pare it down to three things and maybe things that we didn't actually cover. Just in case one of you listeners is like, I totally listened to your Automatic Secret Podcast episode, and I want new trivia, I brought new trivia. Oh, interesting. So here we go. Trivia item number one. This would mark the last time the Bond producers would ever pay for a car. Actually, two of them. They actually paid for the Aston Martin DB5s used in this film. They bought two of them. They would never do that again. From then on, car companies would be begging to get into the James Bond franchise Mm. and giving them cars. This one kind of blew me away, folks. And I'm a Bond nut. And I know a lot about these Bond films, but I did not know this. Movie magic. That entire scene when they are down in Miami, you know, with Dink, poolside, the card plane, and all that stuff. The only cast member that was ever actually in Miami was Secklinder, who played Felix. Everybody else is on a soundstage, or it's a back projection screen. Yeah, nobody was in Miami except Secklinder as Felix. <laughs> That blows me away. I blew me away when I read it. I knew there was back projection in there, but he was the only actor that's everything else was at Pinewood. And if you really think about it, like the only times he's truly see him interacting with the Fountain Blue Hotel is when he kind of looks at the ice skating and the underwater at the same time. But so he was actually there so they could showcase that. Aside from that, it's all movie magic. These man pajamas missing out. This is really cool. Third and final bullet, Pussy Galore, played by Honor Blackman, introduces herself to James Bond, who replies when she says, I'm Pussy Galore, he says, I must be dreaming. The original script had Bond replying, I know you are, but what's your name? That's like if I would have wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) This was deemed too suggestive, and it was changed. And in some markets, his actual response of I must be dreaming was bleeped out because that was considered too suggestive one of the countries that bleeped it out apparently was india hmm. so there you have it script writers were like <laughs> basically once they knew they were getting away with a character named pussy glory they were like full speed ahead <laughs> you know, like, it was like no no let's slow down a little bit everybody so anyway there's your rundown on goldfinger it's a great movie we'll talk about it. 
All right. I guess that makes it my turn. I will give you the rundown on 1956's The Searchers. From the thrilling pages of life rides a man you must fear and respect. A man whose unconquerable will and boundless determination carved a lusty, rough, and boisterous slice of history called The Searchers. It's John Wayne as Ethan Edwards who had a rare kind of courage. The courage that simply keeps on and on, far beyond all reasonable endurance. Never thinking of himself as martyred, never thinking of himself as brave. So we'll find him in the end, I promise you. We'll find him. Here is a story of a man, hard and relentless, tender and passionate, of people who dared to challenge a hostile land. Here is drama of great love and aching loneliness. I found him. I found Lucy. What you saw was a buck wearing Lucy's dress. I found Lucy back in the canyon. What was she? What do you want me to do, draw you a picture? Spell it out? Don't ever ask me. Long as you live, don't ever ask me more. And if you don't hear my first holler, you better read my mind, because I don't aim to raise no two hollers on any subject at hand. Yes, sir. Boy, watch that knife. Go, Martin, please. Stand aside, Martin. Oh, you don't, Ethan. Ethan, no, you don't. Stand aside. Looks like you got yourself surrounded. Yeah, and I figure on getting myself unsurrounded. Let's go! Cast and crew included John Wayne, Jeffrey Hunter, and Vera Miles. It was directed by John Ford. Synopsis is pretty simple. Ethan Edwards hates Indians. I mean, he really hates Indians. And when a Comanche raid murders his family and kidnaps his niece, Ethan makes it his five-year mission in life to find her and to make those who took her pay. For trivia, a couple things I found out. Lots of good trivia on this. And I should say before we move on that John Wayne... When he was on the set, he was ingratiated by the, I think they were the Sioux tribe that was there. Oh, no, Iroquois. Sorry, they were the Iroquois nation. In one instance, a little boy who was the son of one of the set members got sick, and John Wayne actually flew him to the hospital on his private plane. And in another instance, the lady who plays Luke in the movie he found her crying on the set and asked her why she was crying. And she told him that she was missing her son's wedding because she had to do her lines that day. John Wayne talked to John Ford. They stopped filming and John Wayne flew her out on his private plane so that she could make 
the wedding. That was me cheating and getting two extra trivia facts in there, Jared. I warned you it was coming. But here are my three real trivia nuggets. Number one, Natalie Wood was still in high school when the film was made, and she was quite popular when John Wayne and John Ford would routinely show up at her school to pick her up. Number two, Ethan Edwards was John Wayne's favorite character, and he named his own son after the protagonist. And finally, Buddy Holly was a big fan of the film, and John Wayne frequently says the line, that'll be the day in the movie, and that's what inspired the popular song. That is an interesting one, I would have to I say. I thought so, too, yeah. Hmm. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's a street fight, a street fight. Right, it is time to get into the old school video dome arena where they got their dukes up like 30 style boxing, you know, and they got the bathing suits that yeah. are like a full body unitard. Nope. <laughs> They're riding the bicycles with the one giant wheel in the front. Make sure there's no biting. That's right. No biting, no, um, you know, kicks or stuff like that. Yeah, kicking also apparently is not <laughs> But anyway, let's get into it. First, let's talk about Match Game, the game within the game. There are two films in five categories, so there's ten possible matches for Jason and I. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen mine. Now would be a great time for you to guess how many times we're going to match, and we will talk about that when we wrap everything up. And speaking of scoring, we can set your barometer appropriately. If we give something a five, five means average. It means it's okay. It's something you'd see on a halfway decent made-for-TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You've got yourself a nice film. Four, three, two, one. Things are getting sketchy. With all that out of the way, let's get into round one. That'll be the day. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? And we're going to get the thoughts on the story from our guest. Pat, we're going to start in 1964. The story of Goldfinger. Your thoughts, sir pretty good you know this was the second time around of me watching goldfinger all the way through i was still interested in it and it kept my interest through the whole thing even though i've seen it before i was really interested in and kind of looking at other different things on it now that i can go through and just kind of pick away a little background things side things that they do and that they say so overall you have a villain He's got a good plan. Even Bond admits it to him when he kind of, you know, later on and when he kind of gets him to spill out the plan and then how is it all going to come out? I'm like, yeah, that does sound like it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what you're doing, you know, and I, and I like that. Oh, and with the overall action that's going on in here as well, it kept me interested. Excellent. Jason, your thoughts on the story of Goldfinger? Fans of our Rogue Agent show will know that you love this movie bit more than I do. I think that the script kind of falls apart in a couple places. There's some places you can drive a tank through the plot holes. But having said all that, there is something to be said about, number one, this is the first time we actually see the Bond formula in full effect. I'm talking pre-titles, the title sequence, you know, the gadgets, the sets. It all comes together. And you have Bond in his prime. So Sean Connery is just kicking tail and taking names here. Even though the plot itself may be a little thin in places, 
the structure of it really holds up. And who am I to argue with all those years of success? You, know, you can expect a high score from me. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, Goldfinger, it's one of those Connery bonds where they're just kind of having fun. <laughs> you know, uh, in the wild, anything goes era. But it still hangs together pretty well. And it's it's a fun watch. So I have this feeling we're going to match game on this one, Jason. Because I think story is Goldfinger's weakest point. It's loaded with charm and spectacle and fun. But story is its weakest part. But it's still, it's good. In my opinion. We'll score them momentarily. But first, let's go back to 1956, Pat. I need you to put on your cowboy boots and tell me what you thought of the story of the searchers. All right, partner. Let me tell you. The story of the searchers was too long. I think this thing could have <laughs> Don't been... hold back. <laughs> you came out swinging at like, the Duke, whoa, man. What, you know, <laughs> watching them, but you're okay. Hey, but you know what? I'm not disagreeing with you, but <laughs> okay. I, I figured nobody probably would with this. It just kind of dragged out on the story. It's like, okay, we know you, you, you hate what happened to your family and you're going to go against these people and, and going to do what you can. But man, there's a reason why it's the searches because they're searching for a way to drag this thing out for a long time. If it was shorter, I could understand it. It was a tale of revenge. That's what it was about in a Western. And that adds some interest in it in nowadays. We're so used to more sci-fi action, more current age action going on to kind of look back at this in a story. I was back then. Yeah. I think it would be a good story to go and watch and spend two hours just at a theater. I agree with you, Pat. I think one of the things I did notice while I was watching it, and I know we got to get to Jason's thoughts real quick, but one thing I did notice as I was watching is I did do that thing on the Plex where I kind of moved the mouse a little bit. So it shows me how much time. Yeah, is left. Yeah, and I'm like, Cause I'm like, how are we going to, we reach certain parts of the story. I'm like, how are we going to get another hour and a half out of yeah. this? You know? And I was like, goodness gracious. It's, um, it's like filler know, or something like that. You know, they start putting not in. uncommon though for like those westerns because there's a lot of time spent just showing you beautiful vistas and scenery and stuff like that. And I can appreciate that, but you know what? I've talked too much already. Let's get Jason's thoughts. Jason, you can start off by giving your thoughts on the length and then just roll into whatever you want to talk about. I'm kind of with Pat. This was a blind fire for me. I'd never seen this movie before. I knew enough about it that I I knew that a relative of his had been captured and that was the plot of the movie, him searching to get her back. I didn't realize it took him five years to do it. (laughs) So I kind of thought it was going to be like a taut action chase thing, but it really was a different type of movie than what I went in expecting. Not to say it was bad, just different. And, you know, now talking it to you, and that's what I really wanted to do is talk with you guys about this particular one, you know, cause we've talked about bond a lot. Now we take it into a different area here. Hearing you talk about it just made me think of maybe it was drawn out that way to show the time passing of the girl being captured and then her time being spent with the Indians and then how she got changed. Right. Or how she yeah, potentially no, get changed. I, absolutely. I think it was much more psychological and cerebral than I had first anticipated. Because yeah. it is. They start off trying to rescue her. And then at some point along the way, Ethan is determined he has to kill her because she's been with them too long. Mm-hmm. That there's no bringing her back. Martin also is an interesting character because, number one, Ethan pretty much despises him. He's just Indian enough. Ethan's like, no, you're not part of this family. But yet he does respect and admire him because he keeps coming with him 
on that search. And what I realized at the end of it is Martin is now going because he's got to stop Ethan Mm -hmm. from killing his sister. No matter what Ethan thinks about it, it's his sister. So all these dynamics are in play. What I assumed was going to be more of an action chase type of gunfight in Western movie was much more cerebral and plot driven than I appreciated. So not to say that it's bad, just unexpected. I would agree with that. As would I. At some point in this show, I have to brag about how I've met Lana Wood, who played the younger version of the niece. And then her sister, her big sister, Natalie, played the older version, which I think is cool. And oh, by the way, Lana Wood was in, Jason? Diamonds are forever. So there's a Sean Connery and James Bond connection right there. I agree with you guys on the story, too. I thought it was going to be more of a hunting down thing. And like I said... There was a point where I was like, okay, uh, I got to check see how much time is <laughs> five years late. What, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, yeah, so it surprised me. And I got to give kudos to it for the story since we were talking about the story here. feel like nobody in Hollywood today would do a film like this because everything is so subtle. Like Jason was saying, it's all subtle. Like they never like have to say point blank, uh, you know, he, he hates him because he's part Native American. It does he really hate him. It's com- everything's complicated and subtle. You know, mm-hmm. uh, before we started recording, Jason pointed out how if you look carefully in the graveyard, the family graveyard, you will see Ethan's wife's grave and that she was murdered by Comanche Indian. So you get the backstory with it and they don't hit you over the head with it. There's no flashback scene. Like everything in this movie is super subtle, which I think makes it feel longer, by the way. Well, there was that scene where that dude kicked the Indian lady down. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my biggest like oh come on <laughs> moment of the whole movie i was like that is it that was a oh, violent kick that <laughs> she was did a not jerk deserve move man. she did not deserve that she did not no. deserve it you know it, basically again though subtlety i took that scene to show first of all i was like yeah jerk move but i also took it to mean that they were showing his immaturity you know he couldn't stand to be laughed at so he did something really mean and yeah, I think every, I and even John Wayne's character yeah. who hated the Comanche was like, dude, that was kind of me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, why'd you on, do bro. that for? Come on, bro. Yeah. So a lot of layers, a lot of subtle layers. They never really beat you over the head with stuff. Did you guys get a creepy vibe in the beginning of the way he would look at his brother's wife? And then, oh, yeah, yeah. And then the Reverend yeah. comes in and, and where he called him the Reverend, you know what I mean? And then he would kind of, they'd have these long pieces of them staring. Yeah, she's doing something. Those like, sergeant stripes, baby, man. They they just can't keep away from those sergeant stripes. <laughs> I missed this entirely. I must well, have been making some snacks. <laughs> no, I right, know the part he's talking about. He's right in the beginning. You know, I think about it more because then I'm like, why is he staring at her? So, you know, she's in another room getting stuff ready or something like that. And then he's just kind of staring there and he's the only one there. And the reverend sergeant, whatever the guy was, he's also... It's finishing his coffee and he's just kind of sitting there staring at her doing, I'm like, this guy's creepy. But I think what it comes down to is that they wanted to show that, you know, she was a, a decent looking lady that when they got attacked by the Indians, they don't really show what happened to her. Right. But you can just now imagine possibly what could have happened. It wasn't no good. No, it wasn't, it wasn't good at all. But I was just in the beginning, I was like, man, this is kind of creeping me out. Yeah, I know the scene you're talking about because the Reverend's watching everything. And the Reverend slash captain of the Rangers is very astute. He's very observant. 
he watches her fold John Wayne's coat, yeah. his ca- his cavalry yeah. coat, and the way she folds it and holds it close to her face is very intimate, like she was doing it for a husband, yeah, know, that's not, not a brother-in-law. And he notices the way that John Wayne's watching her and their reaction, and he knows that there's some sort of either history or tension that's there. And to Jared's point, it's subtle. They never talk yeah, about it, yeah. and it never gets explored again. No, it didn't. But the reaction that John Wayne has when he sees her body is, you know. Says, I, I, I guess that's when it really hit me. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's kind of what was going on. Yeah. That's just those sergeant stripes, man. Ladies love them. Okay, now it's time for us to go back and score them. Let's go back to the story of Goldfinger in 1964. Jason, scale of 1 to 10. If I was going to score it just as a regular script, I mean, it'd be a solid seven, but it gets a bump. It gets an eight because it is the formula that they will follow from here on out. And God bless it. I love it. So eight for me. Match game number one. I also have it at an eight. Let's head over to the Searchers 1956 story, Jason. Man, I was jumping all over here on this one. This one was kind of a hard one for me to peg down the end of the day, I put down a seven on it. I thought it was very solid. I'm suspecting I might be too low on it, but comparing it to Goldfinger, I can't give it as high as Goldfinger. <laughs> You're not too low. Match game number two, I also gave it a seven. I think it's a simple story well told. Ah, you are the sniper. You can give one bonus point. Which film do you think had a better story, Goldfinger or The Searchers? For me, I will go with Goldfinger. Nothing wrong with that. That's the end of round one. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? But now it's my turn, and it's time to talk about the hero. We're going to ask, you know, how entertaining was the hero? How much did the hero and the hero's allies hold your attention to the screen? And we'll start it off with Agent 007 from Goldfinger. And Pat, why don't you tell us your thoughts here? Hero-wise for James Bond, he's a hero. He is the ultimate secret agent that everybody wants to be. Cool guy, cool clothes, cool car. He, he's got it all, you know. He's got ladies galore. You may say he has, he's got galore, you know. But he's a cool guy as a hero. And you can definitely tell he is the hero in this one. Yeah, I think that sums it up well. I mean, he's the guy that every guy wants to be, right? Jared, you going to argue with that point, hero? <laughs> No, this is the, <laughs> this is the gold standard of hero. He's handsome. He's debonair. He's dangerous. He's smart. He's crafty. He's wily. He's sexy. It's James Bond. It's Connery at the height of his powers. We all know what I'm going to score this. <laughs> it's going to be no surprise <laughs> here. <laughs> Match game. <laughs> <laughs> so I will just leave it at that. I mean, I, what else can we say about Sean Connery at the peak of his powers in Goldfinger? Well, I think we'll all agree. We all love Sean, and everybody knows how much we love Sean. But, you know, John Wayne, he wasn't too much of a slouch either. He did one or two films in his day. Pat, what would you think about old Ethan there in The Searchers? Well, that's a good question, because is he a hero or is he a villain? Is he the guy that... A bit of both, maybe. A, a bit of both on this one. Is Martin the hero? I think he's got more heroic tendencies, but then again, the world hasn't beaten him down like it has. Like it has yes. for Ethan. For Ethan. So it's it's a hard one to say. This was a, I was struggling on this. 
is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he fighting himself? And and when I say, is he a villain, is he a villain to Martin and to the other people around him? Because he wasn't really nice to anybody. There was a few parts where he was, he played it cool or whatever, but he was snapping at people, going off of the orders that he was supposed to be following. He was treating people like they were a piece of garbage around him. Kind of, I was like, wow, this this isn't a guy I want to be around. Where did that gold come from, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> he had little bags of gold he was passing out like trick-or-treat. Yeah. You put it well, Pat. Was he a hero? Was he a villain? A bit of both? Jared, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the actual hero is probably Martin. I think Jason and I might have talked about this a little bit a few days ago. In a weird way, I think John Wayne in this movie is like Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible franchise. This is later in his career, and he knows who he is, and he doesn't have to be the center anymore. He's okay sharing the limelight with someone else. Mm -hmm. John Wayne's actually a little pulled back. Martin gets a lot of spotlight, and John Wayne's a little pulled back, and only there when he needs to be there. That's very similar to what I feel like Tom Cruise has done with his Mission Impossible franchise, which I think is respectable. It shows a lot of comfort with who they are. Like, they're these big Hollywood icons, but they don't have to be oh, I got to be the leading man. I mean, John Wayne even brought his own son in on this one. In case you didn't know, that it was his son who played the army lieutenant that showed up in like the last third of the film. No, I didn't know that. Watch where you're putting that pig sticker boy and all that (laughs) stuff. Yeah, that was his actual son who I've seen star in his own movie, which was actually pretty good recently. It actually had Yvonne Craig in it as well. Good movie. Anyway, don't let me get off on a tangent. So yeah, uh, luckily for Jason and I, when we score these things, we're allowed to sort of take the heroic ensemble so the score you're going to be seeing from me is going to be a little combination of Ethan and Martin. Great observations, Jared. I think that John Wayne, this was really kind of a unique character role for him, and that'll be reflected in my score too, because he's not clearly the hero. He doesn't have all the answers. And again, to me, one of the definitions of the hero is the one who makes the most sacrifice. And John Wayne, while he's very persistent how much is he really sacrificing? Because he has nothing left. He has no one and he only has this mission, but it's Martin who every year gets out and rides away from the woman he loves and puts off his life for five years to go and save his sister. So I'm 100% with you and, and you'll see that reflected in my score as well, Jared. I guess you can say that his character did try to persuade or shove off Martin from coming with him mm-hmm. as much as he could. You know, you can tell that he was, you know, no, I don't want you here, you know, just because, so he wouldn't get hurt or, or one, he didn't want, want him to be around. But I think it was more of, hey, no, let me do what I'm going to do because I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I don't need to have anybody else is lost of life on me. All right, fellas, good discussion. Let's go ahead and score them. Jared. As if I don't already know the answer to this, how many points are you given to Sean Connery as Agent 007? It's a 10. It's clearly a 10. (laughs) Throw this 10 on the pile. That's our next match game. We're just dress right, dress matching these sons of guns right now. We certainly are. That's three match games in a row. All right. This one we might be a little different. It's interesting to see. How much did you give uh, Ethan, Martin, and crew in The Searchers? I went with a solid eight. I thought eight was where it landed for me. I liked it. Match game again. That's where I landed as well. I thought uh, 
it was kind of an interesting new departure, like you said, for John Wayne being more of a support role, much more of a gray character, not the usual heroic figure that we're used to seeing. Very questionable in some regards, but I liked it. And I really liked Martin, too. So eight for me. All right, Sniper, where are you putting the bullet? No, oh, come on, guys. You got to know where, I'm going. where <laughs> yeah. the bullet is going to. You know, number it, one it, with the bullet. Yeah, yep. it even has it in the opening of this movie with that gun barrel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's going to Goldfinger. I mean, it's Connery at the peak of yeah. his powers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Terry cloth onesie, blue Terry cloth onesie. Come on, blue Terry cloth onesie. I mean, that gets you eight spectacle points all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, fellas, all I got left to say is. Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. <laughs> well, that was good. Sounds like it. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in round three. If you're up to me, I'd just kill you. Round three is the villain. How memorable is your villain? How menacing is your villain? Uh, how entertaining is your villain? And so we will start this time with Jason. Tell me about Arik Goldfinger in the movie called Goldfinger. Man, Arik Goldfinger... We've already debated Goldfinger through our childhood, adulthood, all the way to present day. You love it. I like it a little bit. But I think there is no debate that this has one of the coolest rogues galleries ever, led by Arik Goldfinger, and in my mind, equally held up by his manservant, Odd Job. Ah, 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 ah. The one-two duo. I got the brains. You got the brawn. Let's make lots of money. This is one of the greatest one-two tandems of Bond villainy ever. Our Goldfinger is smooth. He's the man with the plan. And as Pat said early on, you might say, I apologize, Goldfinger. Brilliant. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, expect a high score from me here. So we're going to point out to everybody that Goldfinger made a pool table that rotated with a scale model of Fort Knox went through an entire briefing just to kill everybody that received the briefing <laughs> with the exception of James Bond of the audience. <laughs> Pat, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this guy is a mastermind on playing a game, whether it be cards or golf or with lives and the things that he wants. He will definitely get the henchman, you know, odd job is there. And he's got, you know, a gang of people too. All the other people that he has underneath him, you know, he's got attractive ladies that uh-huh. fly his plane for him. Well, he's got They'll a flying circus. Yeah. yeah. He's got a flying circus. That's amazing. So yeah, definitely villainy all the way. And he is showboating it around. Uh, one of the best things about him is he gives as good as he gets with those lines. Yeah. And he dresses really cool too. You know, yeah. he's got, he is the, you know, hey, this is my color. I'm all about gold. So everything <laughs> I got is gold. The suit is kind of that shiny gold kind of a thing. And yeah, everything he's wearing. His is- last name is Goldfinger. His first name is Arik, which starts with AU, which is the chemical symbol for gold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like his parents really teed him up for this. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's go uh, into the searchers. And I guess we're going to talk about Scar. He's Mufasa's uncle. Yeah. Brother, yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what I said when I was watching the movie. I was like, Ah, Sedania! <laughs> what does that make me? A monkey's uncle. <laughs> Jason, talk to me about 
Scar or um, Cycles of Vengeance might actually be the <laughs> the bad guy in this film. Like <laughs> we say on action film Face Off that the hero is only as good as the villain, and here the villain just really wasn't that good. The actor did a really good job of playing a very menacing Comanche. He was scary when he was on film, so from that perspective, it was good, but didn't really get a whole lot of his backstory, except apparently he had some family that were killed by some white settlers, and to your point, that's the cycle of violence that's going around mm-hmm. uh, and around. You know, John Wayne's Ethan is more than happy to keep that, <laughs> that cycle going. He's like, oh, this merry-go-round slowing down. Let me spin it up a little bit more. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I just could have really used a little more backstory. It was over two hours long. We could have thrown something a scar in there at some point. I but I just really didn't get, get a lot. So not near as good of a score as I'm going to give our Goldfinger from, from Goldfinger, obviously. All right, Pat. Scar and the never-ending circle of violence and vengeance. <laughs> that is The Searchers. Oh, yeah. I think that kind of is it, is the never-ending violence and vengeance. And just, like I said, is John Wayne's character a villainy kind of? Mm, kind of. He's little not bit. doing anything to break the cycle, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Scar, the actual main, I guess, villain, not too menacing because they never really get a hold of him or find him. And then you have all these other little mini minions or mini minion kind of people or villains along the way oh man and even some people i thought were creeping me out did they the guy who wanted to marry uh martin's girlfriend wasn't he creepy too (laughs) it's a little bit weird but like he Um, won me over with that fist fight (laughs) he did me too he did me too that was weird he's sitting in there playing the guitar oh yeah oh listen Oh, oh no man I'm right where I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, you guys are it's just creepy. Yeah, overall, not much of a menace physically, maybe mentally. Yes, I don't know. I think he had a cool look. Like he looked tough with that scar, and he was pretty built. And he yeah, had, he had piercing blue eyes, which was weird for. <laughs> <laughs> they were magnificent. Yes, they were. Guy, but uh, but yeah, man, yeah. It's tough because, like you said, you know, Scar's got his history with the white settlers. And, of course, Ethan's got his history with the Comanche Indians. It just goes round and round. And, you know, I made a joke about how Ethan's not breaking the cycle. But I I think that was kind of the point of the movie is at the end he did break the cycle. I mean, he didn't kill Scar. Martin laid that fool out (laughs) with, with several bullets. Yeah. It was weirdly anticlimactic because we don't even, like, really see Scar fall dead. No. And I think that was another subtle point of the movie was like, it's less about the revenge tale that we thought it was and more about Ethan. He's changed a little bit through his niece. He's, he's giving her a second chance that he wasn't going to give her earlier on. Like he's learned something. And I think it's thanks to Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is the villain category and it's complicated. If you had to paint a villain in this movie, it's gotta be scar. But like you said, they use them sparingly, very sparingly. So it's sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll score them. Jason, Goldfinger, Art Goldfinger, and Odd Job and Goldfinger. I will allow you to choose between a nine or a 10. Which one are you going to go with? Well, sir, I will go with a 10 if those are my two options. Flawless victory. Well done. <laughs> and the match games continue. Flawless victory. <laughs> we have matched every single time throughout. 
Okay, uh, let's shift gears to the searchers. You've got Scar. We didn't really mention there was also like the country store dude who kind of set a trap for John Wayne. Yeah. John Wayne actually set a trap for him. Yeah, I think I mentioned it, I don't think. That really kind of comes down to Scar. So uh, what did you think? How memorable was he? Okay, we always say on action film face-off that the hero's only as good as the villain. And on the surface, it looks like Scar probably about a six, I'm thinking. After our conversation, maybe I would have scored it a little bit higher because I think maybe it is a little deeper. Maybe Scar isn't really the villain. Maybe it's, like the lady said, it's the land. It's the cycle of violence. Lots of things we could talk about here. Lots of nuances. But I'm just going to wrap it up before my signal goes out and say six. (laughs) And this is our first non-match game, but we're only off by a point. I gave him a seven just because, I don't know, he's, he's memorable to me. Like, you know, when I think of that movie, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to remember Scar, even though he didn't have a lot of presence. I may have gone high just because I really liked his uh, his outfits and his, <laughs> his style. <laughs> he did have style. Don't be in a blanket head. I guess. But anyway, yeah, that's our first non-match game, but only off by a point. I gave him a seven. Pat, uh, which movie had the better villain, Goldfinger? Moving on. Correct. I'm... <laughs> Do I even need to shoot a bullet at that? Just, can I just Goldfinger, man? I mean, he's the dude that said no, Mister Bond. I expect you to. Yeah, die. Like... <laughs> can't beat that. All right, so let's get into the round four. Prepare to meet Kali in hell. All right, round four is spectacle. How cool is the spectacle? And by spectacle, we're talking the effects. We're talking. The cinematography, we're talking the music, the soundtrack, all that stuff wrapped up into the spectacle of that film. And we'll start with Goldfinger. I'll start with Jared this time because I know he's probably got one or two things to say about the spectacle of Goldfinger. Spectacle-wise, Goldfinger is a great movie. Is it the most spectacle-filled Bond film? No. It's a little old school. Thunderball goes to Thunderball, right? Yeah, Thunderball, I think, does have more spectacle because budgets just keep getting bigger from here. And so it just starts looking better. This is still the height of John Barry for his powers. As far as the score goes, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, not only do you have Shirley Bassey with the amazing theme song, you got some of the great Barry works. Like, I think the track right after the theme song is called Into Miami really catchy tune i mean i had this is the yeah, first yeah. soundtrack i ever bought with my own money as a kid i bought it on vinyl at a flea market it's great it's great and i also own the sound i know i'm jumping ahead i also own the soundtrack to the searchers i have both of those soundtracks and they're both really good but right now focusing on goldfinger yeah man it's a good looking film i think some of the best work that you'll get out of ken adam those sets are really cool i mean that's what he's known for is it the most spectacle-laden Bond movie? No, but it's solid. It's real solid. And I'll shut up and let Pat talk. For the spectacle, for me, the locations, again, were really extravagant, nice to look at, uh, especially, you know, the car chase going on and the, the scenery that you saw there and the long winding roads and things like that. Stunts. There were some good fight scenes in here with some good choreography going on. Effects with the... Gadgets. Uh, we talked about the cinematography. Of course, the soundtrack. You, you know the music when you hear it. It's like, wah, 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 and then the Bond theme and oh, all that. So it, it is everything you wanted in a Bond 
movie. Yeah, well put. Yeah, I don't have much to add except lots of spectacle, and I like it all. Cold finger. Jared, going back to you for the searchers, what did you think about spectacle there? Oh, man, this is probably my toughest round because it's got a lot of spectacle. Not the most exciting, like we talked about it. It, it feels a little long. So, you know, was there the old kind of pick up the phone and check messages? Yeah, I might have done that once or twice. But it still has a real strong spectacle in A. Like I said, I have the soundtrack and the score to it is really good. The cinematography is amazing. The locations they picked. You can tell a lot of it is location work. Just looks great. It's a good looking movie, a good sounding movie. The sets look good. It's full of color. They had that Vista Vision thing going on there. Fifty six. I couldn't imagine seeing something like this at fifty six. That had to be just grand on a scale that people hadn't really even seen yet. It's got a lot going for it. This is this is the toughest toughest battle between these two films for me is in the spectacle round. I'm going to agree with Jared as well too on this of the cinematography, the locations, the buildings, and all that. Can you imagine seeing this on a big screen and you haven't been able to kind of travel out there and then you just see this awesome southwestern scenery and just awe-taking to look at? And the way they would have the camera pan in and pan out, I really liked in the beginning, you have them in the house, right? It starts out with the house and you see it kind of, you know, black on the outsides and you see the door and you can see just that that blue sky that you just see out there is just, it's like, oh, wow, that's so warm. I want to get out there and, and see that. And then it just opens up to that big view. And then at the end, they did the same thing where they closed in on it mm-hmm. and you see everybody coming into the house through the door and then it closes. And cinematography is definitely, it's a battle between these two, I would have to say, um, mm-hmm. between the two. Uh, I haven't, the soundtrack, I haven't get a chance to listen to it all but would take Jared's word for it that it's probably good in that way, you know, and just trying to pay attention to what was being said and done. My ear didn't really tune too much to the sounds of it. My eyes were just overwhelmed by how beautiful this was. Yeah. It's a better to listen separate from the film. Okay. And I think that's where John Barry wins the day in the battle of the scores is like, you remember the music in yeah. Goldfinger because it so accentuates the music yeah, in Searchers is really good, but it's better listening experience when you're not watching the film. Mm-hmm. Just in my opinion. And I would say stunt-wise, probably for the time, the stunts were pretty cool. But, you know, there was just a lot of horseback riding and this and that. And we're going to jump down or we're just going to run through here, pretend we're shooting, pow, 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 and run back through and come back through, pow, 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 pow. But that was about it. <laughs> that charge through the river looked kind of uh, hazardous. Yeah, I saw yeah. some stuntmen, like... I like Legit losing their horses. Yeah, they go down. That was kind of interesting. I was like, that was not scripted. That dude nope. just face planted into that river. Yeah. That one dude was like totally out of character. He was like, somebody save me. <laughs> like, oh, here we got to pick that guy up. Who brought the newbie stunt guy with us? Oh, man. All right. Well, let's rattle up the scores. Uh, what are you giving the spectacle for Goldfinger? Jared. I'm giving Goldfinger a solid eight in spectacle. I gave Goldfinger for spectacle. I gave it a seven. I think overall spectacle, like you said, better Bond films. But this one, uh, you know, it's definitely above average. What about the spectacle for The Searchers? Eight. 
And when you're on par with John Barry and Guy Hamilton, and it's 56, not 64, that's a high compliment, but I'm giving it an 8. I gave it an 8 as well. I told you all at the beginning that I tried to go cheap and watch this on a free service, but it was so grainy. And I said, I'm not going to watch this movie like this. I'm going to pay $3.99, and I'm glad I did. So, 8 from me as well. Well, this one actually might be interesting. Pat, where are you going to put your bullet here? You know, that is a good question. Right now, I am with the gun looking at either one. It's a tough one. Which one do I want? I think over it all, I'm going to give my sniper for spectacle. And it is purely on the beauty that is the American Wild West area. I'm giving it to the searchers in this one. Oh, man. I just could stare at that stuff all night long. Fair enough, man. I believe me, that was tough. I, I went into this thing and, oh, well, Goldfinger, you know, but. Yeah, I thought it too. When I passed it over, I was like, well, here's another one for Goldfinger. But it's like, well, maybe not. Yeah. Now, the fair points and really good observations on the director and the way that they open up at the beginning and close up at the end. I didn't pick up on that. And that's a really good point. All right. That's the end of Spectacle Round. We're going to get into round five, which is best action scene. All right, in round five, Jason's going to break down the action scenes from Goldfinger and the Searchers. We'll pick our favorites. We'll score them. Pat will tell us which movie he thought I had better action scenes. Jason, I give it to you for Goldfinger. Hold on a second. I got to pull out my notes. All right. So basically, I really only had three. So one was the pre-titles, pre-title sequence, and I called that one Drugs are Bad, okay? (laughs) (laughs) The second one was when he infiltrates Goldfinger's operation there in the Alps and he got the DB5 car chase and mm-hmm. laser mm-hmm. and everything. I called that one, I'm about to go Operation Grand Slam on your b- with my big b- laser gun. Nice, nice. <laughs> and then I've got the raid on Fort Knox, and I called that one, that is the fattest general I've ever seen, not in an Air Force uniform. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I had to throw in the Air Force joke in there. Boo. <laughs> All right. Of those three, Jason, which one's your favorite? It's tough. But I'm going to go. I'm about to go Operation Grand Slam on your ass with my big ass laser gun because it, it has that iconic scene. It has the Aston Martin DB5 star of the show. Basically, it's like Millennium Falcon, Aston Martin, DB5. They're <laughs> on the same plane for me. So, so hey, I understand. No, I'm right there with you. I'm picking that same scene because, like you said, it's showcasing the Aston Martin. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. There's a little bit of shooting outside the car. You got the granny with the, granny with the gun. Yeah. <laughs> you can't beat that. So I'm going to join you on that. Pat, was that also your favorite of the three, or did you have a different? No, that would be the favorite of the three. You have the beginning is really you know, kind of cool, stealthy. It's one of my it, favorites. It's, it's, it's a big buildup to the middle, the climax in the middle with the, the action, and then the rest of them just kind of slowly fall away, I think. Still all good, but you get everything. You get right to that meat of the sandwich right there. The meat of the Colonel Sanders chicken sandwich. Mm, yes. AFC. Yummy. <laughs> yummy, yummy. It's good. Finger licking good. All right, Jason, break it down for the searchers. The first one I called the river fight. When they're first being chased by the Comanches, I called that one either the or we run through the river or something. Whatever that one is, you said. (laughs) 
A river runs through it. I think I'm yeah. just going to bleep it all and let everybody wonder what he said. <laughs> we, it wouldn't be the first time. That would not be an action film face-off first. <laughs> all right. So the other one was when he ambushes the ambushers, the thief guy. I called that one not enough gold, but let's add some lead. Nice. I like that. The third one was the first fight with Scar's forces. I called that one. Shot in the arm, and you're to blame. You put an arrow in John Wayne. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the other one was the wedding fist fight. Mm. I called that one. I object to this marriage, mother pucker. Whap, whap, whap. Whap, whap. And then finally, the last one where they actually raid the camp. And I called that one. Thanks, Lieutenant. Now we have to have a safety brief on saber handling. <laughs> you, you redeemed yourself by the end good job okay great, great. Uh, of all those which one was your favorite jason what was your favorite action i kind of like the fist fight i just thought the <laughs> fist fight was very entertaining and funny it was fun the others had very dark elements to them not that they weren't you know entertaining but the fist fight was a fun entertaining moment i liked both those characters i laughed i thought it was exciting so fist fight for me i'm gonna join you some of the raids and stuff are sort of grand and sweeping, but they were very, like we talked about, the last raid was kind of anticlimactic. It was basically they rode through one way and mm-hmm. then they rode back the other way. Martin put like six bullets into Scar and you didn't really see it. Like you didn't Scar see it at all. TP, and then you just saw the gun go bam, 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 bam. And that was it. Like we never saw Scar's dead body. And I think that was maybe John Ford's way of saying, you know, that's not the point of it. The point of it was Ethan's journey and Martin's journey together. I'm going to ask the question. Did you get the impression that Ethan scalped Scar? Yes, he did. He did. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I just, he, he came out with it. You just didn't. I think a little bit. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of showing Ethan's. He did it. I think because remember he told Martin when they sat down with Scar in the tent before they had that pipe with, it had like ponytails or things like that. There. And yep. then later on you find out, yeah, who one of them's was. Yeah. That was Martin's, Martin's mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. Scalp on that thing. Yeah. And I think as disturbing as that was, I was like, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> but I think he needed that to close his loop. Because he couldn't get the closure of him killing him. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't, they weren't too graphic with it. Just enough to make you uncomfortable. Like, oh man, that's, but you know what? That might just be what he needed. Anyway, it's a, it's a multi-layered movie, folks. It's a multi-layered movie. Pat? I'm going to agree with you guys on this one as well. It is the fight between the two guys. And then a little bit later on, they're like, okay, let's make up and let's be, you know, we're friends again. They make them all make up. And then they're in the house just a little bit later. One of them says something and they start to go at it just a little bit more. (laughs) But they get pulled away again. You get all the, like the ladies are trying to look at it. And John Wayne's like, he, he shoves the girl, the lady into the house and goes, no, you know, this isn't for ladies to watch. But yet she goes out to a window and finds uh, just fun. She wanted to watch them fight. Oh, yeah. you know, they all did. I would have too, man. But come on, you sent her one letter in five years. Yeah. yeah. One letter, and you spilled the beans about your Native American wife. <laughs> Don't put that in the letter. <laughs> yeah, he was not helping his cause at all. Oh, man. He was not, he had no game at all. All right, let's. 
go back and score them. Jason, you and I both like the Aston Martin run in Goldfinger. You like it to the tune of a nine. Whoa, I, I, you like which one of us likes this movie better? Let me look. At this I love that scene, man. That scene, it is, is a great, great scene. You know, I might be doing that thing where it's unfair, just comparing it to other Bond action scenes. You know, that's kind of unfair, but I gave it a seven. I mean, I'm like, I liked it, but. When I looked back on Goldfinger, I was like, it's not like, as far as action film face off, it's not very strong in that department. I'm sorry. I know I don't have bandwidth, but we got to, we got to go through this. <laughs> you got the car chase. You got the ejector seat. You got the smoke screen. You got the oil slick. You got the cow traps. You got grandma shooting a machine gun. <laughs> and I job didn't kill somebody with the hat at that I was point. The with the bowl gets out he's so worked up his internet died <laughs> he's talking too fast that the internet couldn't keep up with him it better keep up stuff to say <laughs> well i gave it a seven you know, it's probably unfair like i said i probably comparing it to other pawn movies but that's where it's gonna lie all right let's go over to the searchers in 1956 jason and i we both like the fist fight and what did you think on that i gave that one a seven i think it was pretty solid overall and i gave it a six i thought it was good and fun but like you got a movie like the searchers and it's like this world famous western i was expecting a little more shoots from the hips and that's rifles. what i was expecting yeah i was this world famous or i just you know what was the draw uh, to this in my research for it like ford considers it like his best film this was one of ford's films that was completely ignored by the academy like a lot of his films won academy awards but this one like nothing and he's like i really consider this my best work no artistically i think it it is really good it's an odd duck but entertaining this is what happens when we go to retro rewind the action gets a little old timey you know and but then you start seeing really cool stuff like cinematography the vistas the music and all that stuff but yeah in the end i i gave that fist fight a six i thought it was good and i'll remember it but i I guess i just didn't think a fist fight would be my favorite action scene in a western movie you know like especially with all this revenge that was building up and this hunt that was going on anyways pat which movie had better action scenes i'm gonna go with goldfinger on this one for better action scenes goldfinger i wouldn't disagree all right that's the end of round five let's get to round six is that your best? All right. It's time for the deduction round, the round for the ridiculous. Are we going to take any points off of either of these films? Jared, I'll start with you. I will not take any points off of Goldfinger. In fact, this is going to make you happy, Jason, since I gave Action Scene a seven. I'm giving Goldfinger a plus one for Terry Cloth onesie. <laughs> plus one for the onesie. For the wardrobe. Ooh. I am not taking any points off of goldfinger there's probably things you could but i'm not going to because it's goldfinger what about you? no i'm not taking any points off for goldfinger all right the searchers you taking any points off there nope <laughs> that's all i got nope nope me neither pat did you have any airing agreements before we move on no i think both movies were what they were supposed to be well said sir well said all right that is the end of our official rounds all right, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. Let's check in on match game one, two, three, four, five match games on this one. So if you guess five, then you guessed right. Sniper points. Maybe you're playing that game. Mm. Which one? How many was going to get which one? Well, Pat ended up giving four sniper points to Goldfinger and one to the searchers. 
And just for some fun on this one, as I did the total of the maths on these, Jason and I gave Goldfinger the exact same score, and Jason and I gave The Searchers the exact same score. <laughs> so even though match games didn't work out, the scores certainly did. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 92 to 73, Goldfinger. Congratulations to Goldfinger. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. Hey, what month is it going to be for the next episode there, Jared? It's going to be October. Oh, so you all know what that means. October it is no longer action film face-off, but it becomes horror film face-off. So what were those films Ooh, be? Well, the randomizer says that my brother Jared's going to be pulling a horror film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen ninety-four, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen ninety-six. Ooh, close. What will those films be? We're gonna tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. Talking to you there, Dave, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, where I do have. A book page sketch of Sean Connery as James Bond that you can order. And I have a John Wayne book page sketch as well. Granted, it's not on the searchers. It's on True Grit. So he's got an eye patch. But those are both available. So you should head on over there. Check out www.theyardsaleartist.com. Help me pay my bills. Pat, where can people find you? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. I am also hanging out with you guys and Delvin and everybody else from the Longbox Crusade here on the Longbox Crusade Podcasting Network. Come and check it out. And you know what's next in the script says, be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, whatever Google's calling their podcast system these days, all your finer podcatchers. You can check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you want to send in a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And of course, you can send in a voicemail. If you want to jump all over Jason for giving a seven to Spectacle and Superman, you can call 707-532-5269. Or maybe you want to jump all over me for giving a seven to best action scene in Goldfinger. That's <laughs> 707 707- 532-5269 or 707-532-LBOX. Pick up, Pick the, up phone. the phone. But don't yell at Weasel Skull. <laughs> and of, like I mentioned earlier, please check out our YouTube channel. You can catch all of our podcasts there. And there's special additional content beyond our podcast that can be found on the YouTube channel. And that's Long Box Crusade. 
Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. All Two right. films at one film leave. <laughs> oh, sorry. Somebody's excited already. Ryan Daly. Go again. Ryan Daly. Third time's a charm. Ryan Daly. Now saying, do you believe in love after love? <laughs> after love, after love. Jason, what did, uh, where the hell was I? I got the brains. You got the brawn. Let's make the money. You know? <laughs> I'm so glad that his internet cut out. No, we don't have to put that in. Hold on. I'll get it. Hold on. Wait for it to come back. <laughs> We're going to wait for him to say you got the Damn it. The patience on Jason. You ride your horse across this plane. Your internet isn't good enough for another stanza. 